These here are the sleekest, sexiest lines American engineers could come up with. Well, just the name itself bespeaks power and wealth. Dodge. That about says it all. Ron and Anian. Everything has its failures, and, and if you think every vehicle is going to be perfect forever, then it's, it's, it's not a car. So why did I ever buy a thousand-dollar car? The car doctor at 160,000 miles, 19, well, 18 years old? Yep. I'd have put a radiator in the truck five years ago, you know, just, just on principle. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines, America, and wherever you might be. Ronnie Indian, the car doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Taking calls and answering questions and taking no prisoners here on the Car Doctor Radio Show. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Ronnie Indian, and the car doctor out on Facebook. And uh, you can podcast us via the cardoctorshow.com website. Uh, there's podcast links out there, as well as a live listen stream or a listen live stream. I wonder which way is uh, grammatically correct. Live listen, listen live. Whatever. Get out there. You can find the link. You're good to go. Um, we're going to talk about a couple different things this hour. We'll talk a little bit. Maybe we'll read a couple excerpts from Stephen Cook's new book, OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy, available out on Amazon. You can find it out there. Um, I've got a Mitchell sh- Mitchell One Sure Track Real Fix. We'll do that at the end of the hour, talking about uh, some power windows on a 2002 Audi. But I am here to talk about your car and its problems, 855 Six zero nine nine zero zero. Even questions and comments about the repair process. Um, I wrote a little yellow sticky note. One of my little yellow stickies this week is titled "Success Behind the Scenes." And Jeff Sandler came into the shop this week. Jeff's a regular customer, and he was um, he brought his Mustang in, and it was a simple enough repair in one sense the shifter no longer indicated correct gear position you know you put it in park and the little red red dot underneath the tape you know park reverse neutral drive so on everything lines up and you can see the detent and the mark line up and and, and that wasn't working it needed a shifter assembly so five hundred dollars worth of plastic later from the folks over at ford and the blue oval world but you're thrilled to get it right you can still buy the part on a 2009 mustang which is 10 years old now and you're just happy to get it. You don't care. So it's it, it's just over and done with. But Jeff and I were talking about what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, auto repair is a battle just as much fought in the bay in front of everybody as it is behind the scenes. And we talked about it. He brought the car in on Wednesday. We did it on Thursday. We got the part. We had to do it on Thursday. Um, uh, and then we talked about... Uh, you know, the things that go right and wrong. And it's really amazing auto repair comes out right as often as it does in one sense of the word. All right? In the sense that, you know, all the moving pieces, you're dependent upon the catalog being right. You're depending upon the manufacturer having the part, you know, available locally, that the part is not damaged, that the part has been packed properly, that the part was tested properly, the part gets delivered. The parts guy actually shows up that day because the drama in his life hasn't affected his his work operations and attitude. And these are a lot of the little things that happen that go on. Doing Jeff's car was 
difficult in the sense because it's interior work. All right? Doing interior work is a lot like doing open heart surgery. There's there's no margin of error, and it's not that there's margin of error doing breaks, but you know, if if you slip and you know put a slight gouge in the frame doing breaks or suspension, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to see it, and it doesn't affect anything. You know, you you slip and put a gouge in the red leather seat of the two thousand thousand nine Mustang GT convertible. Yeah, that's probably an issue. So you're, you're, you're trying to be careful and ginger and, you know, open the door, close the door, be away from everything. Don't, don't drag your dirty shoes inside the car. To tell you the truth, I've, I've, I've got a pair of moccasins at the shop. I start working on interiors. I put the moccasins on. I work on cars in my slippers. It's just, you know, you're just, you want to be clean. But you look at what does it take to make that repair good and right? And you've got to be content that it happens a lot. And sometimes the failure of the repair comes from the customer. Yeah, i got to tell you, sometimes it's the customer that doesn't let you fix the car. It's, there's, there's something there that prevents them that either they don't want to hear, they don't want to acknowledge, or they're just not interested, but they just want the car fixed. Customer called up a consumer. I've never worked on their car yet. In my in my book, that the definition that it kind of becomes a consumer, especially after you hear the rest of the call. Called left a message that the car was stuck two blocks from the shop, and we needed to get over there right away and get it towed in. Well, Friday morning in a repair shop, you know, the only thing worse than Friday morning in a repair shop is Friday afternoon in a repair shop. All right, because you're trying to get cars out for the weekend, you've got cars promised for people by five o'clock. And I listened to the message when I came back into the office for coffee. They played it for me. And I said, you know, we'll, we'll call them at 10 o'clock coffee because right now we're just tied up trying to get other jobs going. It's only a 20-minute wait. So it called at 10 o'clock, and, and there was no answer. So I went back to work, and, you know, about 11.30, quarter to 12, I, I came into the office to check up on something, and they reminded me, and I, I, I always record whenever I call somebody. I took a little note. I said, you know, called... Nadine, you know, 949, here's the phone number. So I went back to the phone, I checked the phone log, and I said, okay, we called Nadine, 1146, no answer. 12 o'clock came, we took lunch. We eat too, you know. And about 1230, Nadine called, and she was a little annoyed. You know, I've been calling you since 9 o'clock this morning. I said, excuse me. I said, um, I've called you back twice. And the answer I got was, you know, I told her what number. And she said, well, that's the wrong number. And I said, well, that's the number on the machine. And she said, oh, I must have left the wrong number. I, and she was a little apologetic, but still kind of annoyed, uh, which I don't know how else I would have gotten in touch with her because she's never been in the shop before. Well, my son's over in the parking lot by the train station. And he's all upset. His car won't start. And I'm driving him from Virginia to try and help him. Can you go over there and tow the car in? And I said, well, first of all, I don't have a tow service. I don't have a tow truck. We use, you know, because here in the Northeast, a lot of people have AAA or some kind of outside tow service. So there's no need. Tow truck operation is a whole nother world, uh, number one. And number two, we're, we're, we're already booked on other jobs. I said, um, you know, the car could come in, but it won't get done. And this particular model Mercedes we don't deal with on a full-time basis. And I said, if you're looking for this to be done quicker, I think it's really got to go somewhere else. And she kind of had a problem with that. You know, here's the truth. Here's the reality of it. Listen, this is what we're working on. We're working on the space shuttle. Everybody gets a space shuttle to work on in their bay one day or the next. 
and either the mechanic really has the tooling to work on it, or he doesn't, or he has the information to work on it, or he doesn't. And that repair had the potential to be a bad repair because of the customer's position. Trust me, you'd probably, and I know somebody out there is going to go, I know more than the mechanic. Most of you don't know more than the mechanic. Trust me, all right? And I don't care if you were fixing cars five years ago, ten years ago, last week, all right? Maybe last week you got an argument, but anything longer than that, the industry has changed. I walk out the door on Friday. By the time I come back in on Monday, it's changed. There's something else to learn. There's some other accessory or modification or a different system added to a vehicle that makes it all new again. All right? Success behind the scenes. I really think the number one weapon for a good positive repair is attitude. I think it's the attitude of the customer. I think it's the attitude of the mechanic and the shop in general and how they approach it. I really think you've got to ask yourself this question. If you're, the, if you're in the shop, does every day feel like the first day? You know, is there that pride? I stayed, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, Carpenter Bob and I stayed an hour and 20 minutes late yesterday. Danny left right on, you know, a little bit after 5. He had to get to his second job. And um, we stayed till about 7, 7.15 last night and cleaned the shop. Wiped down the tire machine, wiped down the brake lathe, cleaned off the balancer, swept the floor, went around, did spot patrol. You know what spot patrol is, right? You walk around with a can of brake clean and a rag, and you get all the little oil spots. You know, spot patrol. Doop, 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 doop. So you walk in Monday, the floor is clean. Uh, emptied the oil drains, threw out all the garbage, uh, vacuumed all the leaves that get tucked into the corners. You know, you clean the place. If you're not doing that on a regular basis, then, you know, maybe, you know, you got to ask yourself, why not? And I get it. You're tired. You're busy. But you know what? There's always got to be that pride in the shop, and there's got to be the pride in the repair. You've got to be excited like it's your first day. And if you're the consumer, you got to look for that enthusiasm, and you've got to understand they've got to be able to fix the car that you let them fix. Don't hamstring them. Don't expect them to drop what they're doing. I don't know of any repair shop. And I can answer this question, too. I don't know of any repair shop that's sitting there going, twiddling their thumbs, saying, yep, I sure hope somebody walks in the door any minute because I'm going to just drop what I'm doing and take care of them. And if they are and they're not busy, then there's something wrong with that picture. Because I'm finding that the busy shops, or I'm sorry, the good shops are busy, and the, the shops that are standing around are standing around for technical reasons we'll kind of say it like that so everybody gets slow in this business but extended lengths of time is uh just you know curious so we'll leave it there success behind the scene what makes a good repair good and right well there's a lot of factors that go into it in order for a repair to be successful on both sides of the counter and it needs to be if everybody's going to be happy 855-560-9900 running in the car doctor coming back right after this it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to Ron 
Hey, let's get on over and talk to Colton in Florida. He wants to talk about Autel and Florida Auto Repair and so forth. Colton, welcome to the car doctor, buddy. What's going on? Hey, Ron. How you doing? Good, man. What's cooking? Oh, not much. I, I, I emailed you a little while back about the Autel. I was just kind of wanting to let you know and let the listeners know about uh, the MK uh, MK eight hundred eight TS. I'll right. tell you what, that's an awesome tool. Uh, you know, I don't have any complaints, um, but uh, I probably will end up upgrading up to the the Maxisys anyways because it doesn't have all the bi-directional controls. But right. Right. For the money, that's an incredible tool. Well, and I think a tool like that, the Autel MK eight hundred eight, I think that's a good tool. That's a door tool. You know, you don't bring out you don't bring out your top gun every time you want to try and you know fix a car and solve a problem. And that's a quick tool in and out. That's the door tool that becomes the hey my check engine lights on. That's the customer yep. goodwill tool. You walk out there with that. Uh, gee, you got this particular code. We can diagnose it Tuesday. Come on in. It becomes a selling feature, right? Because that tool's quick. Easy in, easy out, right? In terms of getting into the car. Yeah, exactly, and it's and it has the Bluetooth uh, VCI module, so I mean, it's, right? You yeah. know, you can get out and and walk around, go and you know, and it's it's very handy. Um, you know, it'll do you know immobilizer relearns and and uh, TPMS, you know, uh, reprogram everything. It's it's for starting out. You know, I I bought it basically just to kind of hold me off until I was able to buy like a Modus, you know, right. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, but I'll probably step up to a, uh, to the maxi sis and then, then down the road by a modus, something along those lines. So, I have, I just upgraded my modus. What did I have? I, ha I now have a modus edge. So I came from a modus ultra, uh, snap on we're talking about folks. And it was just, yeah. a, it was just a great end of the year deal. I couldn't, I couldn't refuse it. It was a, it really was a number I couldn't refuse. And, you know, the one thing I will say absolutely about Snap-on is my experience, if they tell you that it's going to do it by directional control or some functionality or some such thing, it does. It really works. It's Yeah, it's, my experience with Snap-on uh, scan tools is they, uh, you know, basically with, with at least with American vehicles, um, you know, especially GM some Toyotas and things that they'll do basically everything that the factory scan tool will do. Right. Um, I ran it. I've ran into issues with snap on with European, some European stuff and a few Asian things, but, but, uh, the, the ease of use and the, the user friendliness of the snap on is just great. Yeah. It's, I read an article, I forget where I was, one of the forums and there was conversation talking about, how the aftermarket scan tools in general have really extended their reach, duplicating much of what the dealer-level tool does with a great degree of accuracy. And I think that's getting to be a very fair statement. I think that you know the future looks better as a result of it, and um, I, and I think it has to. I, I think it's a necessary, you know part of the process because let's face it auto repair isn't getting any easier what what what, 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 what goes on in florida way colton let me ask you that before i let you go there's got to be some big changes in florida for auto repair versus new jersey i can only imagine oh it's just hot down here that's all yeah. you know uh, I, I hear you talk about about a lot of the things that uh, people up there do with you know sometimes you say they'll they'll throw a car away because it needs tires or, or you know just uh, a few things like that that you've mentioned over the years, and and it always kind of struck me as, as just insane to me because yep. you know down here, especially it seems to me like the last few years more than than ever, people just 
are more willing to put money in the cars. You know, they, they, they'll do things like, you know, put an engine in a, in a 10, 12 year old car or, or overhaul the brakes and the suspension to keep it on the road. You know, I, I think people get the sticker shock, at least down here, you know, when you see a, 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 new, a new Tahoe is, you know, $70,000, yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll say, I'd rather put 10 into mine when it does all the same thing. Right. And it's got all, it's got all the dings and scratches, and I don't have to worry about it in parking lots. And, um, you know, that's that's got to be a big, a big factor. One of the things I always say about auto repair, though, is it's regional, right? What's important to me in New Jersey exactly. may not be as important to the guy in California or the guy in Florida. Uh, depending upon what part of Florida you're in, I don't know where you're at exactly, but I bet air conditioning... Right on the Space Coast. <laughs> so air, air conditioning is a year-round business for you. Yes, basically. Um, you know, we, we do. We do AC all year long pretty right. much. Yeah, we, we, we take the AC machine out June 14th, <laughs> and you know, we put it away September 2nd. And you know that's that's kind of the season here in New Jersey. It's not this full time, you know, because after that people are more worried about you know brakes and tires if they're worried about anything and trying to pay their higher property taxes. That seems to be the well, uh, yeah. That seems to that's be the, the other the factor. thing is is we don't have the road salt issues down here because so the so the bodies and the, the frames and, and brakes. I mean everything lasts a lot longer down here. So yeah. I guess that's one. One factor, like you were saying, you know, right. it's, it's yeah. it, that is a lot different. So yeah, the only thing that was why the the only thing you have that that makes me crazy though is you have alligators. Um, <laughs> you know, I used to have a customer. I got to tell you this story real quick, and then I'm going to go. I used to have this customer. He, he lived on Sanibel Island. You know where that is, right? Bugsy. Yeah. And he would drive up here. He was originally from Heldon, New Jersey. He retired to Sanibel, and he'd come up twice a year, three times a year to see relatives and so forth, and we'd service the car, this Honda Odyssey. One day he came up. I'll never forget. A license plate that said Bugsy. Um, I'll never forget, and the mechanic working on it. This has got to be 10 years ago. I can still see Gus Gus's face. Um, he's, he's working on the car, and he, he's got this petrified look, and I walk over. What's the matter? And we look up, and a little baby alligator had crawled up under inside the belly pan and it just it died there and he brought her all the way up from florida it was just staring at gus with the mouth kind of partially open i never forgot that and uh gus got the afternoon off he had to go home and uh just lie down colton a pleasure to talk to you sir and uh keep up the good work down there very proud of you you're doing a great job i'm ron and the car doctor we'll be back right after this the car doctor rolling along this hour and let's go over and talk to eric in louisiana 08 nissan frontier eric welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help thanks ron couple yes, questions for yes sir you. yes sir um miles okay and it, it uses about a third of a quarter of oil every 1500 miles would you use an additive in it or if so what kind nah i think you're fine that's that's sort of normal they they kind of do that um, Nissan's, and this seems to be a Nissan thing, that Nissan's will start to do that as the engine wears because of the design of the cam and the overlap. There's a, um, uh, the, the college word is reversion. There's some cam reversion, the way the exhaust flows, and it tends to draw grit from the catalytic converter into the cylinders and 
beat up the rings. Um, there's nothing you're going to do about it. It, it. it is what it is. Uh, I tend to see it um, on the older Nissans. It's a common failure item. One of the things to be aware of is this is the V6, correct, the Frontier? Yes, sir. Um, does this have, does this sort of sound, have you owned it since new? Yes, sir, I have. Um, does this have that little bit of a whine to it when you're driving? You know, when you when you step Not on the yet. engine, does it does it have anything that sounds like a supercharger on a bus kind of a sound? Not right. yet, sir. Okay. If it does, just be aware of it. Just sit and listen to it, because the most common failure on the V6 Nissans is the timing chain. All right, the plastic guides or the nylon guides. They're nylon, and I've talked about this before. The nylon guides will start to wear out. Uh, they're they're nylon. They got 130,000 miles on them, and the chain starts to cut into the nylon guide. And if it gets really bad, it can play with timing a little bit and exasperate the problem with oil consumption as a result. So you've got to have a real sharp Nissan tech or a real sharp mechanic that's Nissan savvy deal with it. Um, the best way I can you know tell you is just sit and listen to the engine, rev it up. Does it have any high pitched noises or high whirring sounds? Uh, I often explain to people it sounds like, and I'm from New Jersey, so I'm used to this, but it sounds like you're behind a, a bus from pulling away from a traffic light, right? The the supercharger on the bus has got that that kind of a noise to it. And it's probably it's probably a little deeper. It's not so high pitched. That's the um, that's the guides inside the uh, motor are worn, and you know it's teardown time. At 130,000 miles, I'll be surprised if they're not worn. You know, it seems. Somewhere between 130 and 160 is the sweet spot where a lot of them get done, and it becomes timing chain plastic or nylon. I keep saying plastic timing chain nylon guides. While you're in there, it's the water pump. There's a couple of seals involved. Not a cheap repair. Um, in New Jersey dollars, it's probably every bit of 3,500 bucks. But you know, it does extend the life of the vehicle. Um, it, it is it is better for the vehicle. And, you know, short of that, the only other thing that's common to fail on these, uh, have you had the transmission issue yet? Automatic trans, I'm assuming, Eric? I've had it replaced. Yeah, okay. And when they did it, did they do the radiator? Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, that's that's the most common. Uh, the, the, the timing chain issue is secondary. but the And let me guess that the, the trans and the radiator were done somewhere in the sixty to 80,000-mile range? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. Um, and then you got to think, so now here you are at 130, so by the time you get 140 on that truck, uh, if you do the radiator first, you probably won't have to do the trans. Because what, what, wiped out, right. what, what, what wiped out the trans was the trans cooler leaked and contaminated trans and coolant together, and that's what damaged the automatic trans. Now, my information that I've seen in the last two years, still the best source for the best price on a radiator is right from Nissan. And last conversation I had with the Nissan techs and just trying to stay up on this situation because I watch these things, um, they still recommend, you know, 70, 80,000 mile intervals, put a radiator in that truck because it's not that Nissan made the new radiator any better. It's just new. <laughs> um, so it, be, it, 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 it becomes the, you know, uh, I, I've got to think, and it's been a while since I actually did an 08, but I think the number that's stuck in my head is about two two fifty for the radiator, uh, a couple hours of labor, but, you know, for three, four hundred bucks, four or five hundred bucks, whatever it is with some coolant.
uh, you know what? How much was that trans repair? That trans repair was six grand, right? I don't know. It was on the warranty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The next one won't be, and you don't want to go through that. Yeah. Um, you don't want to go yeah, through it's that. Over, it's over. It's over the timing chain. Will be about two grand. Um. Okay. Yeah. So the timing chain. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't sure of my number, but so maybe yours does have the noise issue, um, and you just don't realize it. Uh, okay. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you'll know how noisy the timing chain was. If it's really worn, after you get it back, you're going to go, is the engine running? Uh, <laughs> because okay. it, it just gets so quiet. Um, I have some, another question for you. Yeah, go ahead. On uh, shop material, uh, a long time ago you were talking about uh, something to spray on rust than to paint it. you remember that? Zero rust. Um, there's, there's, there, well, there's, what are we trying to do? We trying to slow rust down so the car doesn't rust as fast underneath the chassis and all. No, I just want to spray some on and, and repaint something. Oh, um, you're looking for the rust dissolver. Yeah. And I can't remember, you know, it's been a while since I've used no, it. Not, okay. Not the dissolver the stuff you spray on to help retard it. Oh, um, are we talking about fluid film on the, on the floor pan of the chassis? Like for a plow vehicle? No. Okay, then it was either. No, I just heard you, a couple of years ago you were talking about something you you could spray on it would help retard the rust and paint over it. I think I was talking about the only thing that comes to mind, and I'll have to think about this during the week. If I if if I come up with it, I'll mention it next week. But I think we're talking about either Zero Rust, which is the brand name. Okay. Um, you can find it. I've I've seen it on Amazon. Uh, Zero Rust. I believe it's in black and white and a couple other different colors. It's not cheap. 10, 12, 15 bucks a can, something like that. Um, real good rust retardant. The other thing I'll do if I get to the vehicle before it has rust is Benjamin Moore, Benjamin Moore, the paint guys, right? Benjamin Moore makes something called low luster alkalide rust resistant paint. It's the kind of stuff you would use on your lawn furniture. If, we, if this was 1963 and you had metal lawn chairs, remember you'd go over grandma's house and she had all that metal lawn furniture? It's the, it's the stuff yes, it's the stuff Grandpa would have painted all the lawn chairs with, muttering under his breath, drinking the beer in the backyard on a Saturday afternoon. Um, but now we spray it, and I'll just put that right in a spray can. I'll cut it with a little lacquer, uh, like you know, five six percent lacquer, just by eye, you know, kind of measuring the shot of vodka, just eh, about that much. And um, you know, I'll I'll actually spray chassis and frame and and or floor pan and. Um, you know, that, that stuff, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll stick to chicken feathers and it just really takes a lot to knock it off and wear. And you can get that at the local paint store, uh, you know, um, uh, Benjamin Moore, low luster alkaloid. It comes in a choice of colors, either black or like a blood primer. And that works really well too, uh, for slowing down okay. rust. Um, both really good you products. You were talking some, a while back, uh, about the same time you were talking about a new, uh, I forgot what you call it. Not a soap, but something to clean up somebody introduced you to. What soap was that? You, there was, uh, it was a new product somebody introduced you to a couple of years ago. and uh, for, for washing your hands? For washing anything. They said it was biodegradable. You use it on anything. Oh, yeah. What the heck is that? God, I haven't used it in about a year because we haven't really cleaned it. Uh, it was a degreaser. It was a, it was a degreaser that yeah. was safe to run, yeah right. yeah 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 yeah. And why do I think that was Berryman makes that? Um, I think it was Berryman. Go to go to BerrymanProducts.com and and see if it's see if it's there, Eric. And if it's not, okay, sh I will. If, if it's not, shoot me an email. 
Um, Ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll, I'll poke around. But I think it was Berryman that made that, berrymanproducts.com. They make a bunch of different things. And as a matter of fact, if you're looking for an oil additive and you want to look at it, you can look at, at, at their line of oil additive products, too. It's, I don't know, it's not going to necessarily hurt you. I just think what you're experiencing with oil consumption is the nature of the beast based on its age. Um, you know, but the, the fact that the Nissan dealer is suggesting, it sounds like the Nissan dealer is suggesting a timing chain replacement. I, 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 I think that's something you want to, no, uh, I, I talked, I talked to you about that a couple of years ago okay. and you told me about that sound to listen for. Okay. So I got a price on it and they said about two grand. Okay. And they're, and they're doing a water pump for that too, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So good. Anything else, Eric? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago you were talking about the uh, stuff to spray on a uh, the window rubber to make it go up easier and down. I forgot what it was. Silicone. Spray silicone. That one's easy. Silicone. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got to go. I'm up against the clock. So, Thank but, you, sir. But I pre- you're very welcome. I appreciate you calling in, Eric, and thanks for being such a loyal member Love of the you. Car Doctor Nation. You take good care. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's go over and talk to Joe in Virginia, 98 Dodge. Joe, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you, Ron. Yeah, my, I have a 1998 Dodge Grand Caravan, and the computer is playing games with the car. Um, the least bothersome problem is that once every few months as I'm driving down the road, the computer just turns off the control panel. The you know, gas goes to zero, tack goes to zero, sometimes the speed goes to zero, sometimes it goes up to 120 miles an hour. That's what it says. I'm obviously not doing 120. Right, right. Then um, every, oh, every random times, it turns on the windshield wipers and um, for a random amount of time and then just leaves them off. And that destroys windshield wipers, so I have a couple socks over the windshield wipers when it's not raining. And the most, the biggest problem is that once every 10 or 20 times when I turn the car on, uh, the computer turns the car back off, and w- whether I, when I try again, it just turns it off again and won't let me drive it for a few hours to, to a day. It's like as if someone took a, a tennis ball and stuck it up your tailpipe. Right. But it, I've been able to eliminate all the other problems down, down in the computer. Uh, it's hot. I don't n- notice a correlation other than with other events other than um, when I turn the car on, if the tack rate is a little high, then it's more likely to, the computer is more likely to turn the car off. And I should say I, I'm the kind of person who typically only drives the car on weekends. Okay. I think there's, there's, there's a couple different issues possibly going on here, Joe. Um, first of all, if the speedometer is, is hitting 120 on the display, Mm-hmm. That information is controlled by or triggered through the body module. All mm-hmm. right. If the P- and, and it's interesting. Take note because if the the PCM, I believe fuel cut on a '98 Dodge Caravan is 113 miles an hour. Fuel cut is the legal limit. You'd have to look at the speed rating on the tires and see what tires are on the car. Back in the back in the 80s and the 90s, the federal government required that vehicle manufacturers, I don't know that they necessarily do it anymore. It's been a while since I've seen the problem. I've never seen it on anything made after 2005. But older cars had fuel cut. 
fuel cut was if the vehicle had a T-rated tire on it. T-rated tire was good for 106 miles an hour. When it hit 108, the car would shut off because of the liability factor. So if the speedometer is hitting 120 and it doesn't have, I think it has to be an H-rated tire from the factory for it to be better than 120 um, or better than an H-rated tire, that vehicle would turn off. So I would have to think the BCM is causing the speedometer to drive that far because the BCM has some command authority in how it approaches instrumentation control. And the fact that it's losing all the instruments tells me we're looking for the master control, not just one input. Well, fortunately, um, the computer does not turn the car off while I'm driving down the road. It's right. just when I turn the car on. Right, right. So what I'm saying is, you know, perhaps the BCM is confused creating an instrument cluster issue, but perhaps, and I would look at grounds related to the BCM, and the BCM should be below your feet, uh, I think to the left side of the steering column on that car. Um, not a completely uncommon failure. We've had issues with static discharge on the BCMs on those cars where they have to be replaced because they can only take electrical shocks so many times, if you get what I'm saying. Because it's an older Chrysler, you know, and obviously it's got to be gone through one module or one component at a time, but because it's an older Chrysler, it's 21 years old, the first thing I would look at, you know, stable battery, good charging system voltage, too, is make sure all the powers and grounds, ground connections at the engine, the chassis, and all points in between are voltage dropped and load tested to be sure that they're good, clean, and tight. If there's any issues with, with, with ground and power on that vehicle, it will be as erratic as you're describing to me. And it will be, it will be all over the place, and it'll just... You'll never find it. Um, so we've we've got to start with the basics. Short of that, it's going to be break it down component by component and start pin testing power and grounds at the point of failure and catching the failure in the act to decide what makes it not start. The fact that it doesn't start, simple thing. Does it have injector pulse? Does it have spark? Does the fuel pump run? And that'll give you a direction on what might be causing the problem. Do a little bit of that. Call me back. We can talk about it some more. I've got to go right now. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We'll return right after this. Hey, let's get over to Nathan in Michigan. Nathan, Ron and Annie, the car doctor. I got about two minutes, babe. What's going on? Well, I've got a 2003 Audi, uh, an RS6, which was a very high performance variant on an A6. Right. I have an unstable high charging system voltage. Um, what I mean by that is you can start the car, it'll sit there at about 14 and a half volts or so, and then intermittently it will start to creep up until both a passport radar detector built into the vehicle will shut itself down to voltage exceeding 16 volts, and then the gauge will peg itself okay. to all the way up. Okay. You turn the uh, key off, um, and sometimes it will come right back to uh, a normal voltage. Sometimes it will... Uh, come back at a high voltage. What? I have tested everything I can really think of. Okay, when you when you test it, have you gone through the alternator and the charge control circuit, the uh, plug at the yes. back of the alternator with the voltage regulator input? Yes, okay. I've checked resistance at both ends of the wires. I've uh, checked for resistance on the actual charging cable. Well, uh, the, I mean the battery cable leading to the battery in the trunk. Okay, what makes you think this isn't an internal alternator problem? And I'm going to have to leave it there, but think about the voltage regulator itself being a potential fault. Probably the number one failure on those vehicles is the regulator and or the alternator assembly. I wish there was more time, Nathan. I'm Ron Anian. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.